Blog Talk Radio. No, no, not quite. You know, this is my on-team show driving and talking. I have it on speakerphone. Don't worry, folks. Don't try this while driving. Instead of don't try this at home, right? Anyways, enough babbling. I'm talking a language that you and everyone can understand. <laughs> Just hit the music. In life. He just wants to be heard, whether it's the beat of the mic, he feels so unlike everybody else alone, in spite of the fact that some people still think that they know him, but fuck him, he knows the code, it's not about the... Well, alright, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this I-70 West review, not a highway review, but feels like it, as I'm driving and I'm reviewing and I'm really grabbing the attention of drivers. I don't know why. It's because they think I'm some loon talking on the phone to no one. But, you know, that's not true. I'm actually headed back to Kansas City. Anyways, let's get this road on the show. And welcome, please, my most loyal co-host out of all three that have, um, well, graced their presences with me. Enough formalities, really. No dramatics. Please welcome... To Wrestle Radio Network Saturday afternoon show. The one, the only, and very loyal, Pizza Simpson. How's it going? Let's go, brother. We got a lot to cover. Let's jump right into it. I hope your trip is going well. Let's go straight into Money in the Bank, big dog. Oh, yes, let's, shall we? Okay, so, straight in the money in the bank. Lady Six Way, Alexa Bliss. We got Alexa Bliss, Nikki A.S.H., Natty, Tamina, Zelina Vega, Naomi, and Asuka in the money in the women's money in the bank match. Um, what are your thoughts right away on those those ladies? I think I I speak for some fans when they say, when I say this. I appreciate the fact that uh, it was very good taste and had some funny moments with Alexis Bliss. But um, overall, I'm happy that Nikki won. I'm just pissed off that she won it as a uh, flop, you know, hurricane Molly Holly type superhero gimmick. I'm not too thrilled with that. But, but you know what? At least, you know, she won the briefcase and that's all that matters. So, um, I agree with that. We're both big Nikki fans over here at this uh po- this show. I like all the um 
I like all the ladies in this match. Pardon me, I forgot that Liv was in this match. And, you know, I think the um, Nikki superhero gimmick is silly, but I appreciate that she was smart enough to realize what sells in this company. And it's not necessarily about wrestling ability. It's also about how you're able to market yourself. And I appreciate that she was able to come up with a gimmick that was that is marketable, and she is able to sell sell shit with. Um, what I liked about this match right away is I liked that Alexa just stood in the corner stoic for like twenty minutes, just staring off into the distance. I like a I like Bliss a lot because I feel that she commits to whatever she's doing, and I appreciate that. And I also think she has the best working. I think she has the best working fist punch in the in the game right now. Um, my partner's being nice. I like Alexa, too, and I think that it's nice that the company is giving her some direction, and I think that, you know, most people misinterpret it, oh, well, they're burying Alexa, too. I'm like, no, what they're doing is copying and pasting what they did with The Fiend and, you know, transposing it into Alexa, which is fine. I don't care. I want a match that told me a story. The match told me a story, and women, you know, in WWE, their division is the best for what reason? And I'm sure I'm going to get argued over by a lot of fans. But to me, <clears throat> on what level they have structure, and another level, this match, uh, the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, wow. I'd never, and my partner and I, we apologize for being wrong. But uh, we didn't expect Nikki to uh, win this match, quite frankly, because what the company has been doing with her is bending her and seeing if she can bend to their will. And my partner is correct. Pizza Simpson is correct when it comes to uh, in professional wrestling. You must bend to the will of the company and see what where it goes. And so far, you know, it's turned into something nice for her, I guess. So... Yeah, I think all in all, this was a solid match, but I didn't think that there was anything about this match or any big like moments from this match that stood out that really served that much purpose other than like Alexa like uh, possessing Zelina Vega and trying to possess the um, actual mechanism that holds the money in a B, money in a bank briefcase, but I really appreciate that Nikki won and good for her, and I think she's an excellent wrestler, and we're both big fans of Nikki over here, so good for her. Um, moving on, AJ versus Osmo, Osmo. I can't say his name, Osmos versus the Viking Raiders. Um, I didn't really like this match very much because I think the Viking Raiders are are better than what they deserve or what they I think they're better than what they're getting on this show and I think that this was just a throwaway match. I think this was just a filler match right here, Big Dog. What do you think? I think ever since they've been called up from NXT, they've been, you know, they dominated, you know, and they were doing great. But I guess a lot of guys, the main ones, complain, you know, and if the main people complain, I've been told from a source that if you outshine the boys, 
you know, it's not going to take long for you to either be a throwaway match or a a gimmick that you're not going to be satisfied with. And I felt like this match was also very bad. It was very, almost has to be very, he has to be directed. Otherwise, um, he's very much not like the Jim Kali, who's also very, was very clumsy. But I want to say, I didn't like this match. As well. I didn't either. I, I think it was just pointless because, okay, let's put them on the card. And it's going to be a spot, a time fill spot, basically. I don't know. You know, normally Vince has a business boner for big guys. I don't know what's going on in this in this aspect. I mean, he did the same shit to Ascension, trying to make him the next Legion of Doom, and now he's doing it to the uh, Viking Raiders, which pisses me off because it's like, wow, they had top caliber matches in NXT, and I get it. There's a difference between black and gold brand and main roster. I honestly think there's a lot of I don't know if there's resentment with, the, you know, the Viking Raiders and then, you know, the name change. I don't give a fuck, but here's the thing. Their match with AJ and almost AJ basically directed traffic. And if AJ has to direct traffic, that makes it harder for the rest of the people involved in his matches because normally AJ and AJ Styles match should be of quality. And I feel like they're kind of denouncing that quality not just this match, but others. I, I digress, folks. But that match was just... Uh... Yeah, bro. I really just felt like this didn't need to be... I didn't feel like this needed to be on the show. And I feel like maybe this should have been the dark match. And this should have been replaced by the um, Mysterios versus the Usos, which I read and saw that was a better match. I don't mind Osmos as much, but I think he, I think he's moving along fine, but I think it's too much too soon, so he can stand to be slowed down. But my thing with the Viking Raiders, with all the silly stuff that they did with the um, – with the um, – um, what is Montel? What is that? What is that other team? The Street Profits? Yeah, that's them. All the silly Montez stuff they did with the Street Profits. Uh, yeah, yeah. That right. What they did with them during the pandemic was really silly, and it made me not want to watch them. And that kind of carried over to this match. And even though I got through it, I really didn't find it to be that great. So I don't care who won. AJ and Osmos did, and they kept the titles because the Raw Tag titles don't mean anything. And and speaking of titles that don't mean anything, the WWE title was up next when Bobby Lashley uh, beating the ever-living out of Kofi Kingston. And... I kind of would have liked them to have used someone else to squash because I like Kofi in the, like, plucky um, underdog role. And if they were just going to beat the dog shit out of him, they should have just saved it for Raw. See, that brings me to the next point. Because I was at WrestleMania 35, and I, I uh, you know, the whole dramatic buildup of Vince and Kofi was great. Uh, you, you don't get your title match, blah, blah, blah. It's such a great fucking story. And then I think this is Vince's little, uh, not Vince's little, yeah, there's also more people in the area of Kofi. That It's not they don't like him. I feel like you're right. They should have picked another guy, 
uh, oh, you know, like Dominic Mysterio. Or <laughs> I'm just saying because in Kofi Kingston, a magnitude of the level that he is to get squashed by Lesnar in 11 minutes, not even that, and then to get squashed by Lashley, it's like, wow, you guys really don't have any faith in Kofi's ability. They're like, well, he could beat so-and-so, and he can beat other guys, but he just can't beat the big guys. Why not? You had Shawn Michaels beat Vader back in the day. I mean, come on. You had Shawn Michaels also beat Yokozuna. And if we're going big and small, Shawn's not a shrimp. I mean, he's six feet tall. Kofi Kingston's not, well, considering height-wise, you know, if I think about this, yes, that was a pointless match between to have on Money in the Bank because we all know that Lashley was at one point feuding with McIntyre. Then he now, for some reason, is facing Kofi Kingston because he didn't like losing to Xavier Woods. So I'm like, why didn't you have him squash Xavier? Why not Xavier Woods? But no, WWE logic. But Kofi Kingston's attached to Xavier Woods, so the antagonists have to get their punishment. Like, what in the actual fuck, dude? It makes no sense to have... Kofi Kingston in a match with Bobby Lashley. Why? Why? Because, oh, we can just showcase him on main tapings, but when it comes to pay-per-views, oh, let's fuck him over. You know, I think that I think that Kofi is like one of these guys that they feel that they can just plug into any role, and I don't think that he should just be perceived as just a utility guy anymore. And for him to prove himself at that WrestleMania and put on one of the best matches in a long time and beat Daniel Bryan and win that belt shows that Kofi is a big-time player. And I don't think he should have just been fed to Bobby Lashley. And I just think it just not necessarily meant anything against Kofi. I just think it was just a means to serve a, serve a purpose because we just want to get to SummerSlam. And, we, you know, SummerSlam is a big show. And Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg is not something I want to see because Goldberg is far past his prime. And from his last showings, he hasn't had great matches. So... I personally think Goldberg should not even be brought in at this moment because personally with, uh, you know, spoiler alert, with John Cena being back, I think John Cena being back is strong enough to be big enough to hold SummerSlam and they can go with somebody else on the show to challenge Lashley for the WWE title. How do you feel? Well, I agree with you, the fact that, you know, it's time for John Cena to come back, and this is, like, perfect timing because, oh, he just got done with the Hollywood movie. This is kind of the reverse scenario in my mind with uh, Warrior and Hogan. Hogan was going to Hollywood. He was, you know, he's tired, he's beat down, so he had to leave. John Cena, I, you know, he took his opportunity, went to Hollywood, but now he's back. Uh, the same thing, I've heard rumors that The Rock is coming back. I don't know when. I mean, it's projected for SummerSlam. But I, I got to tell you, dude, I am going to enjoy the fact that people are going to bitch no matter what. They're going to bitch that Roman Reigns is champion. They're going to bitch that John Cena is champion. And then they're going to have 
Night of Champions, whatever that pay-per-view may be, or Extreme Rules, and you're going to see Champion versus Champion, and it's going to be the Chitastic Roman versus John Cena. That's where this all is ending up, ladies and gentlemen, in my opinion. Because Lashley is Champion, I don't care. The man is boring as fuck. And his character, it has a lot of space now that MVP kind of stepped in and helped with that. Two, <clears throat> whether WWE wants to admit it or not, which they probably won't because they are a multi-billion dollar company, I feel that Bobby, you know, Bobby's the champion and then Cena coming into the picture, oh, yes, great timing. You know why? Because Joe Blow fan is going to say, oh, you know, they're going to set him up for failure. Oh, you know, they're going to set up Big E. Who gives a fuck? There's a chronological story that, or storyline or stories, if you will, or feuds that WWE normally has to follow or abide by for some weird reason. And... Why not? Big E has the briefcase. We don't know when he's going to cash it in. And where does this tie in with Lashley? Uh, there's SummerSlam coming up, and, you know, if Lashley's tired and he's beat down after a match, Big E takes advantage. Voila! New champion, folks. And it doesn't happen to SummerSlam, so just a little touch base on that. Sorry, folks. I tend to digress and, and come up with theories in my own head at random, but that was my take on the Lashley uh, Kofi match. So, I'll ring you back in. So, moving on with the next match, um, Charlotte versus Rhea. I fast-forwarded this. Um, I can imagine that this was just like any other match that they've had before, and Charlotte picks up the win, or I think Rhea did, or one of them did. Who who cares? Did you did you get who picked up the win in the Charlotte versus Rhea? I think okay, the reason why they were so intrigued with this match was because. Once upon a time, Rhea Ripley came into WWE in the May Young Classic, and a lot of people compared it to Charlotte Flair. Back into this match, they're very identical. They wrestle almost the same, except for one more of a powerhouse than the other. The match ended in disqualification with Rhea Ripley basically using title belt to basically destroy, you know, Charlotte Flair's momentum and Charlotte Flair said, I see what you did. Uh, boring. No substance behind it. It's not like when Becky and Charlotte faced each other. It wasn't like when, you know, Bailey was doing whatever the fuck she was doing with Bianca. Um, so, no. To sum this match up, it was like, okay, another time filler. How disappointing. It wasn't, you know, like I mentioned before. There's the 50-50 booking theory. Give the fans what they want for half the show. And for half the show, let's just throw it away. Yeah, I don't care about that match, bro. I don't want to see Charlotte in anything. I think, I think she is the absolute most overpushed, most overpushed wrestler in the company. And I don't give a shit what she fucking does in this fucking WWE, bro. That's real talk, bro. I, like I wish Harlot would leave. I wish she would leave. <laughs> well, here's the thing, dude. Like, she leaves for a good, like, what, four, almost five months, comes back and automatically gets into the title frame picture. Why? She can talk. 
can kind of work. Kind of work meaning, you know, it's the uh, moniker goes, she's a flare. That has nothing to do with it. If the company sees fit that they like a person like WWE, then they will push them to the moon like Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flair or a Bailey. Why? Because, well, once upon a time they tore the house down for their, you know, their respective matches. That's great. And we focus on now, guys, when it comes to the women's division because there's other women that could be showcased and they're not being showcased. They're being pushed to the back of the line. Yes. And personally, I don't mind that Nikki A.S.H., cashed in on Charlotte and won the title because, like you said, going off what you said, I want to see other ladies defending and challenging for the belt because, like I said, Charlotte is the most overpushed person in the company. Um, moving on to the money, the men's money in the bank match, I don't remember who was in this. I know that it was like – I know that it was uh, – Kevin Owens, Big E, Seth, Nakamura, Ricochet, somebody else. And my overall is this really wasn't anything out of the ordinary, and it was just the same spots that you would expect in, like, a big match like this. But what I did like was when Nakamura had somebody in a – arm bar and Naka was dangling upside down and Seth did the fucking springboard did a springboard knee while Nakamura was upside down um oh I just wanted before we skip through a lot of this I wanted to watch AEW and this pay-per-view in one day so in one sitting so I did a lot of fast forwarding so that's why I don't know. I mean, I'm like glazing over like all the backstage stuff. I don't think you really want to talk about that. <laughs> well, to fill in what my partner was saying, boy, this felt like old school NXT. The only element missing was Samoa Joe, and that's fine. I mean, these guys can put on ladder matches all night long. I, I didn't mind it. I thought it was great. I think that uh, Big E, you know, the big ending at the end of the match, picking up Seth and hitting the, you know, the big ending clean off the top of the ladder was great. Um, you know, these two trust each cool. other. They work each other practically every other show. But uh, I just want to point out something. Thank God Big E finally fucking won. I was surprised. There was a lot of surprises in the men's matches, uh, or in the men's match, I should say. Um I'm glad Seth did not win. I personally don't care. I think he's not a bad wrestler. Do what? I don't like Seth, and I'm glad that it was somebody else. Thank you. I was going to say it. I, I wasn't going to Normally, I'll go on tangent. My partner keeps me in line, so he said it, not me. Um... Yeah, so Biggie wins this match, but I did enjoy the fact that uh, somebody got splashed in the face with the drip stick. And uh, in the main event, Edge versus Roman, I think this had a good big match feel. And um, I enjoyed Edge's, like, 
entrance and whatnot, but this was, when I saw that this was going to be like an hour, I knew that this wasn't going to pick up for the last 40 fucking minutes until the last like 20 minutes, sorry, and I knew this wasn't going to pick up until the last like 10 minutes of the match, and this really didn't, and um, Edge went, I mean, I'm sorry, Roman wins with well, wins after the Seth uh, the Seth run in and Usos run in. Roman Reigns matches are getting pretty formulaic at this point, where he's booked really, really strong, and then they just throw in run ins for the fuck of it. I think they do that because, like I said, Roman doesn't get credit for what he does. That's fine. Um. Normally, wrestlers that irritate the fuck out of fans because he, they're like, you know, oh, well, his matches have no substance behind them. That's not true. Uh, Seth Rollins is basically making Roman look weak. Like, you're saying he's not strong unless someone interferes. And clearly looking at the man who has physique, he's got a look to him. He's got an arrogance to him that a heel normally has in wrestling and his match with Edge I think Edge is helping elevate Roman and I I believe people are like well he's a brick blah 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 it doesn't fucking matter as long as you present a story to the fans and give the fans a fucking match that they will talk about and that's all that fucking matters and money in the bank so what if Roman retains you can't have this flippy flop hot potato title scenario every fucking time. That's why I'm glad they're prolonging Roman. Lastly, on the other hand, please take the, please, please take the strap off him. Um, you know, I really think like this match was pretty solid and it had that big fight feel. And I do, I do feel that Edge being fed to Roman kind of beefs up his, championship reign and this has been a pretty solid heel run and I do like that John Cena's there and that's going to be a pretty good uh, SummerSlam match it's not going to be anything that we're going to be talking about it's going to be formulaic WWE stuff but it'll be a SummerSlam worthy match and I really don't have much too much to offer um, my overall on this show was I feel that it was too long and a bunch could be trimmed from it, but everything that you think would have happened made sense, and it was a normal bullshit pay-per-view. That is correct. It's summed up perfectly by Pizza Simpson because Essentially, yeah, it's a pay-per-view, and you have to lengthen matches. You have to make it more Broadway length, and you have to give the importance of what message are we giving to the fans? What are we trying to tell the Joe Blows? What are we trying to tell the Jane Doe's? We are trying to assess it as nicely as we can, folks. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about what the fuck we are saying, Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram. You can directly message Pizza Simpson on his Instagram. You can message me through Twitter on at underscore Brian Rails. B train 05 on Twitter. 
Um, be sure if you message us, we will try and answer the questions as best we can. It's a live show, so tune in. You can call in number 213-943-3422. It's free. You don't have to pay a fee. This is not the good old days of 1-800-C-A-L-O-A-T-T. All right. <clears throat> Moving on. Okay, bro. Let's move on from that boring-ass pay-per-view. <laughs> well. Do you want to go into some AEW talk? Oh, yes. Yes, please. Let's get right into it. I've been aching to talk about it with the rumors swirling Brian Danielson and CM Punk going to AEW being the big, almost confirmed news. I'm, first of all, going to take that with a grain of salt, and I don't know if I really care about both of them coming in, personally. Well, I just want to touch base with it briefly, because we've discussed this. I don't pay attention to AEW shit to begin with because why I think they're full of shit and I think that they're a competition. Yes. I care about some of them. Do I, do I think that, that this addition of new people from outside companies is going to help AEW? I don't know. That's up to the viewers that watch at home that still care about professional wrestling. So, no, dude, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, really, with the new additions that they're adding, they keep adding them every two weeks. It's like, wow, you know, it, is there something I'm missing that the independents aren't, you know, covering? Like, maybe, uh, <laughs> so this is how you get to AEW. You get to AEW Dark, and this is, uh, you know, this is how you get to their company. I mean, I don't know what the necessary steps are, but I do know that they're adding people at at tandem, and it's like, holy shit, how many names have you signed in, like, the span of four weeks? That's how insane this is getting. Yeah, but it's all just, like, random grabs, I feel, and I think that these dream match scenarios that they think they're going to have on paper don't doesn't sound that great. I don't want to see Daniel Bryan versus anybody on that roster. I don't care. I don't want to I see Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega. They're going to do it, though, because this is uh, something you and I discussed um, very briefly before we hit the show. And I told you, I feel like they book for themselves. And boy, it is showing that they book for themselves. Yes, and we'll definitely discuss that when we talk, when we get down into the dynamite, the dynamites from these past two weeks. Um, but, like, I just feel like it's definitely a risk for Daniel or for Brian Danielson to be at AEW with his neck and concussion issues. I don't feel that those guys are very safe, and I think he's going to eat a bunch of V-triggers and probably get another fucking concussion, you know. I don't think that it's a good idea 
but who am I to say anything about that? Um, I think that there's personally not much left for Brian Danielson to do other than what wrestle maybe Kenny Omega and then maybe Okada. Um, after having my hands in the, or, you know, following the independence, these independent dream matches aren't really there and not really worth putting Daniel, well, I keep saying Daniel, putting Brian's um, health at risk for these bullshit matches. Um, and in regards to CM Punk coming back, other than that big Chicago pop that they'll have, I think that he's been gone for so fucking long. I don't think he's going to be that good. And I don't think it's going to, I just don't think it's going to have the same hit like it would have been if it hit in, if he would have came back in 2012 or, or something a little bit sooner. It's been too long. See, and that's the problem with AEW, is that their shit, I feel like there's so much similarities between WCW and AEW, folks. It's because they sign people that are, were impact or had some form of impact when they were wrestling in their prime. Like, hey, for example, I'll give you a good one. Here's a very similar case. Brett the Hitman Hart and Sam Punk are very, very similar. Okay? The only difference is Sam Punk kind of overcame the screw job at first, and then the internal screw jobs continued to go on. But that's besides the point. You're right. If I if I want to point out certain things and fallacies that go on between the signings that AEW signed so far, like Punk, you're right. Twenty twelve would have been a great time for AEW to be around because then CM Punk's fresh out the gate. He's mad, you know, he's upset that WWE did him wrong. And um, here's the thing, folks. I think I don't, I don't speak for every fan, but this is just from a, a perspective thing. <clears throat> they must see something in AEW that they like. And the thing is, they're being they the wrestlers are booking for themselves, so that must be very appealing, in my opinion. Wrestlers, and I think this is the nicest thing I can say possible, or in the nicest way, Omega, Jericho, Moxley, and a few others that have their fucking hand in the pot, going, "Hey, maybe we should have this match," and oh yeah, they're gonna eat it up. Mm, it depends. It depends on the fan, man. That's all I can tell you about it. And their booking is really bad. It's it's really bad. It gets shows. Shows. Yeah, I agree. And I think that these guys, this might not land as hard. I think this might be WCW-esque. Let's get straight into these two weeks of shows that we're behind on. Chris Jericho in a Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears, where Sean is able to use the chair and Chris isn't. I really don't like Sean Spears, and I think Chris Jericho is in the tail end of his career, and it is showing. And he was, Chris was sucking big wind 
by the end of this, and I'm I don't care who won this, who won in this, and Chris Jericho won after a bunch of dumb chair shots. And um, I didn't know if you picked it up, but Chris took a chair shot to the head, and I guess chair shots are back to the head now, and uh, that's pretty fucking wild. Did you see um that match? Uh, I saw what my friends told me that I was going to tell you. I saw that match, and I was like, why are we going back to chair shots at the head where you just clinch and have a go at it? Man, that's going to kill your career. It's already killed a lot of people's careers uh, to begin with. It also causes concussion protocol. I don't care if someone gets hit in the head with a chair as long as, you know, you can wake up Monday morning and say, hey, I'm satisfied with what I fucking did. And two, I just... Dude, it was so bad. It's just like you said, Jericho's career seems like it's near the tail end of it. And he's just guiding guys like MJF, you know. But that's just my take on it. Yeah, and so moving on, um, MJF brings out Nick Gage and... Um, side note, um, I'm fucking happy as fuck to see Nick Gage on TV, MDK, all fucking day. Rest in peace, Nick, uh, Nate Hatred. Rest in peace, Justice Painfree 2-6. Um, the god of this shit, I'm glad to see him on TV. But I think that this is basically AEW capitalizing on Nick Gage's mild success that he's having right now. And I'm happy for Nick to be on TV, but I'm just thinking that you're just pushing your luck, push, putting a death match on TNT, and I will definitely get there. Um, Frankie Kazarian versus Luke Gallows was pretty fucking stupid. Um, do you have anything to add on um, Nick Gage coming to AEW? Um, he definitely adds flavor, that's for damn sure. I mean, we know that he's yeah. not the... Uh, <laughs> I mean... You, you can't sit there and tell me that the guy doesn't add fucking flavor to a show. No matter who or what you think, Nick Gage is the guy that I would not want to fuck with in my life depending on it. You know why? Because, hang on, folks. Okay, we're having technical difficulties. I'm going to keep moving on, bro. Uh, Frankie Kazarian versus LG. Luke Gallows was a pretty fucking boring match. And Kenny Omega and whoever came out and did the fucking run-in. I hate Kenny Omega. I think he's a fucking putz. I don't think there's anything genuine about him whatsoever. And I think he's just basically ripping off... Um, characters and villains that he sees in animes and cartoons and Adam Page comes in for the save with a drink in hand and he's spilling the fucking drink all over himself and I think if they're going to go with him drinking I think him drinking a can of beer would be a little bit better for him because at least he's, he won't be spilling it all over his fucking self um, the next I, I like Page but I think that the company doesn't know how to book him. The FTW title belt was up next. I don't give a shit about that. 
Fast forward, Wheeler Universe versus Darby. This was a fun match that was overshadowed by Sting and Orange Cassidy's spots where they were doing their no, you know, their fake kicks at each other. This was pretty funny, and of course, um, Darby Allen picked up the win. Nyla versus Britt. Oh God, what a piece of shit! I think that even though I like Britt Baker's character, I think that Britt Baker works with works better with a character that is better than her and who can carry her to a better match. I think that Nyla Rose has checked out and she doesn't seem as ferocious anymore, but this was clunky as shit. And... Nyla just kind of sucks, and Britt broke her fucking wrist, so that fucking sucks. So, yeah, Britt taps her out with a broken wrist. Um, Whatever, boom, moving on. Andrade, stupid dumb promo with Chavo Guerrero coming out. I didn't pop her as... I didn't pop for Chavo coming out as much, much because I don't really care about Chavo. Death Triangle came out. I can't understand what I can't understand. I can't understand what Pac is saying. So moving on, QT Marshall promo again. Moving on, Butcher versus Cassidy. Cassidy wins. Nothing to write home about. Mox. Okay, in the main event. I'm sorry if I'm cutting through this, but this is pretty boring in my opinion. Mox versus uh, Archer in a wannabe death match. Archer picks up the fucking win. I'm gonna tell you after after watching a bunch of after watching a bunch of death matches, I found that this match wasn't that great, and I didn't care to see any barbed wire or anything like that. And I really didn't give a shit about this match, bro. Um, I'm going to move on to the next week of TV tapings. If you have anything to offer, um, yeah. <clears throat> well, I've seen Moxley's and Archer's work before, and then, um, you know, AEW, you know, I, I think they are trying too hard. With what you basically assess, like wrestling shows can be a flavor of ice cream to a certain fan, you know. Like some guys like death matches, some guys like uh, you know the occasional fill-in female matches. Um, I feel like AEW is basically trying ways, like oh, we're different, we're original, we're gonna show them that we can have blood and guts, you know, on our TV show, and we can have people get injured to make it organic. That's all fine and dandy, but guys, you're missing one thing, and that's, you know, have structure to your goddamn show. They have some, but it's just, it's so all over the place, chaotic. It's it's like me on a rant, okay? I have points. It takes me a while to get to them, but I can on. My show just can't be all rants. I had to divvy it up and make it smooth and cleaner, so that's where Pizza Simpson came in. AEW, holy shit, straighten your shit up, please. In some aspects, please straighten it up. Yeah, um, let's keep it moving because we got a lot to cover. 
Um, that show kind of, for me, wasn't that great. And the next show for me really wasn't that great either. The AEW flight, uh, fight for the fallen started off with the big, uh, big, uh, survivor series match with Adam page and the dark order taking on the elite, which we all know who's in all that. Um, fast forwarding straight to the end, Man, I'm not even going to go through the details, but the Elite win again. Adam Page is fucked out of the main event. We're just, they just want to hold. I don't even know what to say, Brian. I don't even want to hate the Elite, but I just feel like you guys push yourself hard enough where you can finally let somebody fucking win at some, at some point. And this long-term storyline or whatever is starting to run kind of dry because they refuse to just fucking pull the trigger already. I feel that the Elite, like I've told you, it doesn't matter who comes in the company. They're going to get destroyed by the elite. The elite always puts themselves to be like these top guys. Like, for example, it doesn't have to be just Jericho and Omega. It doesn't have to be the Young Bucks or Hager or Guevara. But it feels like, okay, so you guys were failed science experiments in other companies. And then when you came to AEW, this is a mini rant here. When you came to AEW, you basically turned into the new version of the NWO with minus Bischoff, minus Nash, minus Hall, minus Hogan. You guys turned into what you said you wouldn't turn into. And look at what we have here. When you have a guy that doesn't have a clue about the wrestling business and Tony Khan, and he's basically the new version of Ted Turner, yeah, you guys look a lot like WCW in their failing years. Case in point, what Triple H said at the Hall of Fame induction for WrestleMania 35. In about five to seven years, give or take, you guys are going to be knocking on his doors for jobs. Just saying, I'm not a big fan of some of the stuff that Hunter's done lately, but there's one thing that there's one difference. Structure. If you don't have structure and you guys are not pulling triggers and not having good timing with company, this is just constructive criticism. Get your shit together so that, you know, we can watch two companies. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so next up, um, we got a promo from the Death Triangle, and I didn't understand a word that Pac said. I fast-forwarded through Rick, Ricky Starks' promo. Tanahashi is coming to... Our Tanahashi is challenging Archer for the NW or the New Japan United States title. Tanahashi is a treasure. God bless him forever. And I don't think that match is going to be very good because I don't think uh, Archer's that great. But I also feel that Tanahashi is slowing down, and I don't want to see that match. To be completely honest. The next match up is FTR versus LAX, uh, LAX, EYFBO, Team Bazuzu, Proud and Powerful, Santana Ortiz, and this match was cut short was after the other guy, not Dax Harwood, suffered some kind of injury, 
and this was good up until that point. Um, the that guy uh, that guy picked up a pretty bad injury there, and it was pretty gross. Um, moving on, Tony and Tony and Britt Baker did the, uh, did a promo. I really like when Tony Schiavone does the DMD. Next up was another promo. Darby, in a roundabout way, calls out Sting when they announced that the new AEW show is going to emulate live from um, Chicago. I hope that Punk doesn't show up and everybody's upset. That's just the heel in me. Another pro... uh, um, Then we got Lance Archer beating Haku-san... Uh, um, Let's see, I don't understand why Cody and Malachi Black are even feuding with each other. Keep moving forward. Jurassic Express wins a match. And Nate hates Nick Nick Gage. um, Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, Thunder Rosa beats Julia Hart. Who cares about that, but good job for Thunder Rosa picking up a win and signing full-time. And then we had in the main event Nick Gage in a basically a death match versus Y2J. I fucking hated this match. I hated that there was a death match on TNT. I think that I think that – Tony Khan doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, and he's just trying to just capitalize on everybody else's energy and trying to just bring it to the main stage. And I don't think he's actually trying to write a show. I think he's trying to just appeal to fans. I don't think that's the best idea because the fans are just not going to make you – they're not going to make you money. You have to figure out how to make money. You're just kissing ass. And this match sucked. It was a bunch of glass on TNT, and I love blood and guts, but I didn't want to see it on TNT. I hated this match, man. I hated this match. And after Y2J picked up the win in a pretty stupid death match, just like just like AEW always does, they book for angles in reverse, and in Instead of doing the the death match next or later in the in the MJF feud with Chris Jericho, they're bringing back Juventud Guerrera, and I think this would have been a better match to have instead of the blood and guts match. I want to like AEW, but it keeps going backwards and forwards, man. And that brings me to a wrap on AEW for this week. So that's a wrap on AEW, huh? <laughs> I think we bodied them pretty bad, my friend. Like, we seriously took them and said, we like this, but we, you know. It's just the nature of the show, folks. That's how we do. So, um, <laughs> I, I agree with my partner in his assessment with they take a match uh, like a death match, and they put it on TNT. That's the worst spot to have a death match. And I, I don't believe the FCC is going to be too thrilled with Tony Khan 
Bucks are already not thrilled with, you know, the Hello? And so, yeah, so I'm just like, it's not just that. It's just the whole situation's like this. There are certain guys that he and I both like in AEW, and we want to see them do well. It's just they keep making, I don't know if it's like monumental moves just for like the showcase and bring these guys in like Punk and Brian Danielson. But um, with the whole thing with uh, Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes, why? Does Cody need that much more stardom. I mean, he already get garnered the attention in Ring of Honor. I mean, I went to that show, dude, um, back during WrestleMania weekend, and let me tell you, that version of Cody, cool. This version of Cody, it's just, I mean, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, man. I... I'm maybe I'm just a little bit more older and I just feel like it's it just feels very WCW with a lot going on all at once. I'm ready to move on to a hot take because I got three questions I can, I need to ask you, bro. Okay. Well, before you do that, I'm going to do something with the here. If I can Let me see if I can start the music for that, but um just before I do I do not own the rights to this music procured by Zapp and Roger. I'm not by my laptop, folks, nor my iPad has Wi-Fi out here in the sticks. So I apologize for that. So let me just see if I can get the track, and then we'll go to One Hot Take. Okay, here we go. Okay, that's enough. So let's get to one hot take. Sorry, we're having technical difficulties. And go. Mm, let's get straight into it, my friend. I'm going to blow your mind right now and hit you with the hot news. Bray Wyatt has just been released by the WWE as within the last two hours. What are your thoughts on it? Uh-oh. That might be a release that Vince regrets, and I know why. Um, just to be brief, since I've only got three minutes on the clock, um, you think that sign or release is uh, not a big deal? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is, folks. Bray Wyatt's a very big deal. That's the man that had a lot of cell phones lit up in arenas. That's the man that sold tickets. Yeah, John Cena still taking sodas, Lashley, and all of them, but, ooh, that's a bad, <laughs> uh-oh is all I can tell you. Okay, excellent. Moving on, the next question. Karrion Cross has been brought in while still as the NXT champion. He lost to Jeff Hardy. The The angle is they're just going to try to, like, have him lose and then try to have him snap, and Scarlett, bro- Scarlett is going to come down and bring him, bring him back down and make him the perfect killer that he always is. Do you think having him lose to having him lose a bunch of times is a good or bad thing? That's going to kill his character. To be honest with you, I just 
I don't know what the hell they're doing with Karrion Cross. I mean, I think that, I, in my personal opinion, they need to let some guys loose. This guy is being caged in. Let his character loose. That's my take on Karrion Cross losing bunch of times. Not a good idea. With 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 the WWE with WWE having a contract with Saudi Arabia and and having a contract with them with the with the travel open and with the travel open and the pandemic still being a thing, do you think going to Saudi Arabia is a good idea? Even though they'll probably stand to make two hundred million dollars or some bullshit. They kind of have to because Vince is always, you know, I hate to say this, but he's, you know, a guy that loves money, and they will definitely have this event happen. I don't think it's a good idea, but they spent a whole year in Florida, and these guys and gals are itching to go out, and they're going to take precautions. So um, I'm I'm 50-50 with them going overseas because some people may get infected uh, if they don't follow protocol. Some people... May not, but that's just my take on that. And I got a minute left, man. You just made it. Three fifty-seven. You wow. made it, Big Vidal. You squeaked in. <laughs> that was a hot take. Yes, I love one hot take, dude. This is like a brand new segment, folks. You can uh, you can follow that, you know, on the prior episodes that we've done. This. We've only done like three or four of these. Anyways, um, I'm gonna. Give the floor over to my new best friend. Actually, he's been my friend, not new. But if you like a slice of pizza before, you can love it again because we're going to uh, we're going to enter his mind before you enter mine. So I, uh, the reflections and opinions and viewpoints, professional wrestling company is not reflected based on the matter of opinion and not bias. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please reach us at our social media handles on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you don't know what those are, Wrestle Radio Network, Facebook.com. Reach Pizza directly on his Instagram if you have any questions, comments, concerns. But enough of my babbling. Let's hit the music, shall we, Maestro? Yes. Slices of pizza. Let's get right into it. And this was a fun week that 
didn't have a lot of death matches, but I fell into some crazy stuff this weekend, and we're going to get right into it with the WWR show, Pain for Pleasure. We got in the first match, Ashley Vox versus Jody Threat. Jody, Jody picked up the win with a big torture rack bomb. Um, Ashley Vox was the vet, and so this was kind of an upset in the next match. Becca, who has a plucky 80s gimmick, picks up the win over uh, Ashley Vox's Ashley Vox's sister, Demi XO, with a high kick. This was a solid match, and this was a fun way to start the show. In the next match, we had an intergender match with Armani and somebody else taking on, while my notes are terrible, um, McCoy and Dasher Hatfield's son with the with Armani and Jody picking up the big win. This was obviously something that I really wasn't paying attention to. So moving on, Vita Scott, who I think is a terrible wrestler and always kind of fucks up, she lost in her open challenge against Skyla. So far, this was a safe show, but this was something I would have enjoyed on a Sunday afternoon, but it wasn't very great. Rebecca Scott, this was her first match after this was her first match. She was taking on Kayla Sparks. This was Kayla Sparks' first match after 14, 14 years. Rebecca picks up the win with a big snap DDT. In the co-main event, Kennedy Copeland took on Ricky Shane Page. Ricky being a ginormous man, and a 20-year vet taking on the plucky young star Kenny Kennedy Copeland was a true David versus Goliath match. David versus Goliath match with Ricky essentially just tossing Kennedy all around the ring. Ricky picks up the win. Moving on, Kira McKenna versus Riley Shepard was was the winner. Saw Riley picking up a death picking up the win with a Death Valley driver. Uh, Tina San Antonio, my my handwriting's got awful. Picks up the win over Will and Willow Nightingale, who up until this point was the was the pop of the night. Willow had an excellent match at the Beyond Show, where she challenged for the IWTV Championship. Tina picks up the win after some interference. Trisha Dora beat Ashley D'Ambrose. And in the main event, Megan Bain beats Deanne, I can't pronounce her name, Devan. Uh, Megan picks up the win in this uh, main event. This obviously wasn't that great. I think this was this. I think this show would have been a lot, a lot better if I would have saw this live. And moving on to something that I just felt was the absolute 
one of the best shows of the year, Stardom's Tokyo Dream Cinderella Night 3. Stardom, the Stardom promotion is the big promotion that produced Io Shirai and Kyrie Sane, and this tournament will will see the winner challenging any for any championship that she wants. In the first match, Micah defeats Unagi Sakaya with um, with a Michinoku driver. Micah had a, a strong judo background. <laughs> Which had a strong judo background, which really played up to her, played up to her win in the next match. Uh, Himakea defeats Saya Katami. I'm so sorry that this match is my my pronunciation is terrible. Saya wins with a fisherman buster dropped into a two-stone pile driver. This was an excellent match, my friend. Let's see what else. This is this was an excellent, excellent, excellent match. These ladies were fighting very, very hard. The next match was a match where all three members of the tag team had to draw card draw cards and basically exchange and play swap with the tag teams. Play with the tag teams. Um, after. At, after after this wild ass tag teams, Azumi picks up the win, and in the next match, the 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 um the 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 stars versus the Odu the Odu Tai match, which was a essentially a Survivor Series match, with the winner of with the loser from the last team. She goes to the opposing team's faction. So, so Kunami lost. So Kunami first was lost to Otai, and Starlight Kid was also lost to Otai at the end of the match. With with Stardom Ace. Um, these these names are tough. Mayu Atwani losing her two two uh, members of her faction. She was quite upset after after this and vowed to get her her team her team members back. And a fantastic and a fantastic main event. I know I'm going a little fast because we got limited time. M- Micah defeats. Saya defeats Saya in the main event of the Cinderella tournament. With sorry, with Saya winning this match. My bad, my handwriting is terrible. Saya defeats Micah with the Cradle Driver. This was a this was a very 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 good match with a lot of judo being played into this, and we see Saya is definitely being pushed to the next level. They definitely see something in her. In the world of Stardom main event, and probably the match of the year, I knew, I know I blew through this show kind of fast. 
Shuri versus Utami Hayashita was an absolutely brutal, brutal match where these ladies just beat the ever-living shit out of each other. And this match finished in a draw. 45 minutes of nonstop action. Good Lord. Good Lord. What a fucking match. And my friend, I want to talk to you about the, the show where Matt Cordona does what he does. Good gosh. I Here's why I could not watch AEW and I could not watch Money in the Bank because I watched two shows prior to this that were probably the matches, the shows of the year. GCW presents Homecoming Night 1. Wow. Marco Stunt versus Starboy Charlie in the opener. Marco Stunt picks up the big win with a, with a Hurricane Rana. This was a great match to freaking kick off the uh, hot show. Tony Deppin beats up Ninja Mac. Ninja Mac is a wrestler who does a thousand flips a minute. So anybody who likes that style of wrestling, I definitely agree that you should go see this. You should go out of way, out of your way to see Ninja Mac. Tony Deppin picks up another big win. Let's see. Moving on, Nolan Edward versus AJ Gray of the Second Gear Crew. Nolan Edward was announced that he was going to be taking a long break from Deathmatch Wrestling. And given that he's such a young age, I appreciate that he's smart enough to step out of of that activity now before he's completely destroyed. AJ Gray picks up the win with a fucking brutal lariat and then an emerald explosion. Good lord. Grim Reefer versus Two Cold Scorpio is up next in a match where two old timers basically just smoke pot and hit each other with old moves. Two Cold Scorpio picked up the win with a backflip leg drop where he basically crushed. He fucking crushed Grim Reefer with the uh, with this move. He hit him so dead weight. I thought he would have threw up in the ring. He, they were smoking weed through the match, which was wild. And and uh, coming up next was Drew Parker versus Alex Cologne. Drew Drew Parker. Good God, man! This is the this is the young deathmatch prodigy who's 23, who just won the big the big Japan deathmatch championship, who's bringing it back to America for the for the for the for the first time, taking on Alex Cologne, who's who's just a disgusting freak who just just keeps on winning in these fucking death matches. This was disgusting. This was disgusting with a lot of glass being broken, man. A lot of glass being broken. 
In this match, Drew Parker's deathmatch championship was on the line versus Alex Colon's uh, Game Changers Ultraviolet Championship. And in the end, Drew Parker hits a gigantic swanton and then chokes out Alex Colon to win both titles. Good Lord, this was gross. I can't even tell you, man. I This was something that had to be seen to believe. After after a wild, wild, disgusting glass match and getting after getting all the cancer dust out of the ring, we had a big six-man or eight-man scramble match with a bunch of guys in this match. Um, I wanted to really touch on one big spot. This was a crazy, one of those big crazy spot matches that you've seen a thousand times, but it was definitely something, it was definitely good. They did an ode to the Bulldogs kind of move where where Shane Mercer, who's, who's as strong as a fucking ox, had a wrestler on his shoulders in a Death Valley driver position, and Jordan Oliver used them as a springboard to jump off and hit a cutter on someone else, and Shane Mercer threw the person on his shoulders into a cutter. This was a fantastic spot. This man saw Atticus Kogar picking up the win when he kicked someone in the balls right as they were going to go for the finish and literally stole the win. And next match up was the GCW Tag Team Championships with the second gear crew of Mance Warner and Matt, and Matt Justice defeating... Uh, Jimmy Lloyd and G Raver, who have a, who have had a long-standing rivalry with G Raver, turning on Jimmy Lloyd in the closing segments. The GCW Tag Championships were stuck in were stuck in Mexico due to the COVID that due to the COVID pandemic. Second Gear Crew has won the Tag Team Championships, but the feud between Jimmy Lloyd and G Raver is long from over and they will be having their they will be having their their uh match they will be having their finale to their 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 feud in Chicago when when GCW returns to Chicago my friend this was a wild wild show up until this point then before the festivities we had Effie, the gay deathmatch king, defeating frontman Ja in a comedy match, which was a good let-up because they beat the shit out of the crowd, um, making them cheer. And here we go. Nick Gage, I can't wait to talk about this. Nick Gage versus the former Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, in a full-on death match, and Brian, the New Jersey crowd up until this point was stirred into a just a complete frenzy. 
and to to just get the crowd riled up just a little bit more, they played these old Zack Ryder old radio entrance music, which drove the fucking crowd insane. And so after barely being able to, to get to the ring, Matt Cordona had to come out with his own personal security to get to the ring. And when it was time for Nick to come out, it was probably the best entrance I've ever seen in indie wrestling where the it just felt like a 2,000-person mosh pit converging on Nicky. So after a long, long entrance, we finally get the match in the ring, and man, this picked up right away, and I'm just going to cut right to when... I'm just going to cut to right to when Matt hits the glass, and my friend, when he hits that glass, he hits that glass right. He hits it so, so good and so many times that he just starts bleeding. Matt's shirt was went from white to red within an instant, and to sell this, he starts crying. He starts crying during the match, and it was it was incredible. It was incredible. After after being tortured by Nick, the the four four old faction runs into the ring, and Ricky Shane Page, who was trying to play trying to play face for the last two weeks who feuded with Nick for the last year and a half. I hated this ending. Who feuded with Nick for the last year and a half. He 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 fought off 440 for a second and then kicked Nick in the balls. And so Matt Cardona was able to hit his finish and steal the Game Changer Wrestling Deathmatch Championship, which just incited a garbage riot. With I'm sure if you go online, you could see Matt being pelted with garbage. But I hated this finish because this made Nikki look stupid because why would all of a sudden after killing each other for the last two years would, would Ricky Shane Page and Nick Hates, why I keep saying hatred, Nick Gage be on the same page. The, 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 uh, the, I have nothing against Matt Cardona winning the championship, but I just felt it just made, it just made him look a little stupid. Good Lord, after watching this, after watching this insanity, what a wild main event. And I am very, 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 very interested in looking at what's going to come next for Game Changer Wrestling, which, which is going to be leading into the Chicago show, which is going to be Team 440 versus 
Team MDK, MDK in a Survivor Series War Games match or whatnot, which I am looking forward to. And in a slice of pizza, I'm going to wrap it up shortly. I'm going to do my match of the week. And after doing a little digging, I'm going to talk about ECW TV July 26, 1994. Jimmy Snuka and the Pitbull versus Tommy Dreamer and versus Tommy Dreamer and Dor versus Tommy Dreamer versus Dory Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk. Wow. What a random random match. This really didn't have too much going on, but I just really just enjoyed the fact that these six men were in the same ring together. And I know that Terry Funk is on the Mount Rushmore of of ECW, but I really think that what helped them in the initial years in 93 and 94 was them bringing in Don Morocco and Jimmy Snuka, and this this match was definitely a wild gem that I stumbled upon. The main the main event was the main event of this wild match was picked up was won when uh, Pitbull accidentally knocked Jimmy Snuka over with a clothesline and Tommy Dreamer who was still in the who was still in the suspenders rolled up Jimmy Snuka for the win. Wow, what a little gem! If you do a little digging, wrestling fans, there are some cool stuff to find. All you gotta do is be willing to look, and that is all I got for you for a slice of pizza. That was I. I there's a lot of covering of professional wrestling. It's more than just two companies spoke. And um, based, I grew up in the East Coast watching ECW and WWE but mainly ECW before I saw WWE. And I remember that match with Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr. and Tommy Dreamer and was it and Jimmy Supervised Snuka. I had forgotten that Snuka had uh, traversed other companies. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. So I'm going to just fair warn you, if you think that Slice of Pizza was not insightful, then you're wrong. It is very insightful. And two, I cannot guarantee that you will not come out the same after listening to this next segment. The following segment, folks, contains language that is not suitable for minors under the age of 18, and they're already back to school. So if they repeat what I say, then there's something severely wrong with them or severely right with them. The second one, folks, the second one, all right? I've got some things that I like to get off my chest in a very, you know, logical, chronological way this time around, not just one big giant rant. So, if you monkeys in the truck could basically help me out, I've got a few pipe bombs of my own that I've got for both AEW and WWE. And by the way, (laughs) like I said, could you please... Monkeys in the truck hit my music. Take it. 
his match, John Cena at Mania 36, Bray Wyatt, I want to just point this out to you. The reason why it seems like WWE has trashed some guys and they, they're they not satisfying the happiness, their happiness and their own personal gain and company and all that, why AEW is kind of leaning out like desperate hookers, you know, looking for that guy to give them money. And it's like, like here, here, come here. Come on, guys. You guys are way better than that. And I would like to think that AEW is not pawning or pining for former WWE talent, but they are, and it shows. I mean, to go from making the statement at the beginning of their inception in 2018 of, we're not going to be heavily saturated with former WWE talent is bullshit one word or t- because it seems like to me all AEW's done so far is capitalize on WWE's releases and capitalize is not the adjective to describe what AEW has done with said former WWE talent FTR great okay you re-sign Jake the Snake to mentor for the young guys? I mean, there's a shit ton in AEW Dark. Are those guys getting the push? Probably not. Um, AEW Elevation. I mean, I can just tell you, I mean, it's smart to give a door of opportunity because you never know when your name is going to get called. But if if we're just basing this off rating, sure, AEW wins. AEW is winning hands down because something is not being satisfied in the rest of the uh, – quote-unquote pure wrestling fan is mine. In other words, snobby smart. I'm just being dead fucking honest with you. Okay, we're all fans. We all know what we like. We all know what we don't like. Okay? Um, What I don't like is that both companies are just being snobs. They're like, well, you know, this is working for us, so we're going to go with it. That's not dumb. That's smart. But when they... When WWE gets something that they have that's working, they all of a sudden kill it off and, and make something new. Okay. Like, for example, if you want specifics, like, okay, Lashley McIntyre was getting stale. So they move on to McIntyre, or not McIntyre, yeah, McIntyre and someone else. And then they purposely bump Cesaro out of the picture completely after his match with Roman because they're like, well, you guys have been complaining about Cesaro, so, you know, we're going to give them to you for one brief hiccup, and then we're going to put him somewhere else. We're going to put him elsewhere. Uh, you know, a lot of guys and gals must have patience with that because if it were me and the company, I probably would have seen Punk the whole thing and said, great, you give me a push after three fucking years of working for you? That's just grand. They do. What I'm getting at is WWE – and AEW does certain things that irk the ever-living fuck out of me and some others, and that you guys are not better than one another. You basically are doing similar things, signing, you know, former talent. They, WWE hasn't signed anybody from AEW that I've been aware of and that I've read reports on. And to say something out of meaning that's very condescending but kind of true, like, Okay, let's try your hand at getting some of our former talent because we have so much cap space to work with. 
when in fact WWE, their ratings, from what I've read, I don't need to read their ratings because the numbers speak for themselves. If you constantly have a show like Money in the Bank that is consistent with the whole uh, theory of mine called 50-50 booking, let's give the audience half of what they want and then let's fuck them the other half because and that's pretty graphic, but it is true. I mean, we didn't have some lube the last time. I mean, there are several moments in WWE's history that will make you go, oh, well, now, that ends justify the means. What do I mean by that? So the firing of Brett the Hitman at heart or the uh, Montreal Screwjob, what does this have anything to do with AEW and WWE? It's, it parallels, okay? You have guys like Brian Danielson and CM Punk I'm not going to touch on too long, but I'm going to say the following. The quality of those two, it better be worth it. And that's all I'm going to say. And it sounds like I'm very biased and that I only pay attention to one branch of wrestling. No. I do on occasion hop on Facebook or on Daily Motion and I catch other wrestling promotions. And let me tell you, um, it's very difficult to get into wrestling sometimes. When all you hear from two companies is, we signed this person, and we signed a very big independent name that we're just going to waste for three, four years. Robbie E., Jesse Camara. I mean, list goes on, folks, of things that I'm starting to really get irked by uh, that WWE and AEW is doing. Um, as far as credibility goes and stories, there. You guys are both wrapped up in your own little world, and that's fine. In some instances, I don't give a fuck. But if you're presenting something to an audience, that's it's got to be deeper than what you guys like. It's got to be something that invites the fans in, that lures us in, that has us hook, line, and sinker. Kind of doing it with Roman for WWE. You're kind of doing it with um, Edge kind of elevating Roman's game. But there's got to be something in the back pocket of Vince McMahon or Triple H. That's got to give this company a spark. Same with AEW. You guys started out great, uh, and then your matches, like my partner mentioned earlier, you know, having a death match on TNT is not a suggested venture because you risk some little kid propping up barbed wire, you know, and putting it on a two-by-four and hitting his little brother with it. I'm not saying that parents are that negligent, but I'm just... If WWE used to have a hardcore match on TV nowadays, yeah, there's a lot of risk involved in that, too. And I don't give two fucks about what people present as far as a match goes, but it's just a constant dick-pissing contest, and that's not what WCW and WWE was back in the day. Yes, there was a lot of contests back then. I mean, let's see who, you know, can hold the best show and garner the most ratings with, you know, the women having bra and panties matches and the men, you know, basically beating the ever-living fuck out of each other like it was the trodden-down version of uh, ECW back in, you know, from 98 to about 2001. Maybe some bit of 2002. But... Essentially, what I'm getting at is it's bad to label superstar or wrestlers, I should say, as trash. 
But that's basically what Vince is saying. He's like, perhaps maybe we could afford you more. Like, really? I mean, that's kind of a slap to the face of a company that's been around for three years, but he, he does have a valid point. About 76% of AEW's roster or more is former NXT, former old school talent, former writing staff, and who who am I referring to? Okay. At one point, Jake the Snake worked as an agent for part-time for WWE. Part-time. Okay. Then there's some shit that he wasn't a fan of and he quit. Then you had Billy Gunn. You had Billy Gunn and Dean Malenko. They're former production, you know, talent agent, all that. What matters most, folks, is if you notice certain things, if you pay attention to not just the, the dirt sheets or you know, the who's who of professional wrestling, I'm, I'm searching for answers myself, you know, as to why, why is it one big dick pissing contest? You know, it's like, why can't you just focus on your own shit? Instead, you know, taking subtle jabs during promos or, you know, sometimes the jabs are funny. Like the very first time they started doing it back in 2019, when Corey Graves <laughs> took a jab at Jericho and said, okay, you know, at least, you know, we don't lose title belts, you know, at a Texas roadhouse, you know, it just, that was fun. But then, Jab started snowballing, like snowball, a small one down a hill, and started getting the big ass snowball. And it's like, Jesus Christ, it's not going to ever fucking end. The subtle jabs with one another between AEW and WWE. So, my biggest concern is if you're not, if you guys aren't focused on making your own product better, and that includes, you know, not just. Having comical matches, you know, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen, you know, just gives some people relief in this time of pandemic. But if it goes into pandemic again and AEW doesn't listen to fucking guidelines, um, I can only fucking tell you that's going to end bad for them. And two, if WWE wants to do a show in Saudi Arabia, like I said, I've got mixed feelings. They need to make money. They spent almost two years in Florida, almost. And so... I know I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry. But all I'm going to say is the direction that both companies are going is is south. It's not been headed up. Here, if one company has over a million ratings, if, if you guys are giving the fans, like, half of what they want, and then you're booking for yourselves or – you're, you're taking jabs at a press. I mean, the old man, that's, that's, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised at all that Vince McMahon at his age is taking jabs at another company. That shit does not surprise me one bit. Why? The old man's been around since the 70s. And he's seen a lot of territories in his day. And I think that AEW slowly but surely starting to invigorate him and give him motivation to get a better show going. That's completely up to Vince, whether he gets his head out of his ass and decides to go, okay, maybe if I listen to what the fans want, which happens seldom, very rarely, then maybe we might have two good shows. But instead, 
we've got people on message boards duking it out on Facebook. We've got people saying, well, this is the better wrestling because. I don't fucking think so. Wrestling hasn't been the same since, and I'm not just saying the Attitude Era. It has not been the same since the days of the Monday Night Wars. No. It hasn't been the same since, you know, a lot of factors that factor into this. So what will make, what you know, what would make it um, a decent scene again? Gee, I don't know. Stop signing people every two weeks. Wink, wink, AEW. Stop. Just, for the love of God, if you've got a, a notion that you're going back to live shows, don't be the assholes that say, oh, we can be dicks with them again, y'all. Sorry, that's my worst imitation of Michael Hayes, but it's just it's just the honest to God fucking truth of how I envision shit to go down. Because I mean, there's reasons why my partner watches GCW. There's reasons why he'll watch some parts of AEW because we have to report it, and that shouldn't have to be. It shouldn't be like a homework assignment. It should be something enjoyable that we can report on live on our show without having to have second thoughts about should I really, should we really I'm not totally down on wrestling, it's my therapy but I feel like my therapy is turning into one big uh, I guess I gotta report on you, you know, this afternoon or I guess I gotta, you know give my two cents and give the what for yet again I don't want to keep doing this and when I one of my biggest pet peeves is when a promoter or an owner of a company decides, well, maybe we can just discard these people as if they don't even fucking matter and as if they don't have families and mouths to feed. So they're just like one big I forgot you package. And, yeah, some some names are not impactful like The Rock or John Cena or Bray Wyatt. Well, actually, Bray Wyatt is. But what I'm getting at is, there needs to be consistency on both levels or both companies. Let me rephrase that. There needs to be a level of consistency. And if you're basing this off of, well, we're just getting ratings, man. We're getting draws. We're getting greatness out of it. No, you're not. That's what that, this is a direct message to AEW and some of the talent that's, you know, booking for themselves. You guys really need to pay attention to detail. Um, when you go into not just booking, but quality, if the match is absolute shit, yes, fans are going to let you know. But if the matches continue to be absolute shit, then no, you're not quality. You're that's called like booking through your like, selfish booking, man. And what that leads to is so I like Kenny Omega and I like the Young Bucks, but as far as them, you know, constantly booking, you know, NWO style. Let's book for ourselves and let's see what the others will feel. I'll tell you what I feel. I don't speak for them, but if you're in a company and you know that you're bound to lose to these guys and you know that you could have a decent match, yet you get pushed to the wayside, that's not good. Also, I'm going to flip over to WWE. When you have guys like 
carrying cross. Who's going to face Samoa Joe at SummerSlam? We all know that Karrion Cross is probably going to go win that match because Samoa Joe's kind of like past time already in NXT or maybe not. I don't know. If you guys want him to go on a constant losing streak um, on main roster, that's not healthy for his character to be dominant on one end and then up on the other. So it's a conflict of you know, character, like how to package him and how to portray him to an audience. Like, I get that's one of your sick little mad science experiments that you do with NXT guys and gals. Like, let's see how the main roster audience will react to uh, the Robert Stone brand. Or let's see how they'll react to Cameron Grimes or L.A. Knight. I can guarantee you that this is sad, but there's a division of reaction. Okay? I work with a person who doesn't like NXT. That's fine. That's because main roster's audience is not acclimated to liking the black and gold brand. And that's also another thing. When lack of promotion from the brand that has helped you and you just take them and copy and paste them and mold them into what you want, uh, that's one thing. That bugs the fuck out of me. Like, uh, I'll give you an example. When groups get pulled up from NXT, like Sanity, without Nikki Cross, wow, that was a really shitty fucking thing to do. And two, not just factions being called up to be a mad science experiment for the main audience, main roster audience to get used to. It's like, well, how I was going to sum this up. It's a lack of promotion. You should be helping promote your black and gold talent. Instead of just being like, oh, they're invaders. Oh, they suck. Like, no. Need to acclimate the main roster audience to liking, you know, getting used to seeing NXT. And I get that's what they're doing with Karrion Cross. They need to just make up their minds what they want to do with them. In other words, make up your minds what you want to do with superstars on one end. Also, don't have nonsensical promos. I mean, God rest his... Uh, like, you know, like my partner was saying, he couldn't understand a word Pac was saying. I concur. I did not understand a word he was saying. Have segments that make sense on your show to make audience members being drawn into your shit. Two, don't play the let's hold one pinky up while drinking a teacup, being an asshole type company. Please do not do that. I know I'm repeating myself in circles, but I'm... I'm just trying to fathom why, after years of suffering bad ratings, would someone say, we can just give you our talent, as if to say, here, we don't give a fuck, I don't give a fuck, I've already made my millions, or billions, I should say, and I'm I'm losing some money, but who cares, just fork this talent away. That's like a, again, that's, he's got to... He's got points, and he's also got uh, that those points are flawed. That point is flawed. That statement is flawed. Perhaps maybe if we afforded them more talent. It's going to get repeated, yes. Perhaps maybe if we afford them some of our talents, it might actually help them. Perhaps maybe if you guys actually linked companies, that would be kind of actually, that would be very interesting because we know, the locker rooms would be very, very tense. We know that 
it actually might make AEW's women's division a whole lot better, considering that, I mean, they don't, the examples of not working safe, not playing a factor, uh, or uh, examples of not working safe, playing a factor, have impact, yeah, because your best worker, despite me having a, a lot of doubt about her, and there's reasons for that, Britt Baker, Oh, yeah, I've heard praise sung about her from former WWE talent like Scott Hall and the higher-ups like Billy Gunn say, oh, she just has it. She has it. She has charisma. She has this. She has that. I see different. I see different. I see someone that's evolved into this beautiful young lady that um, I'm not going off tangent, trust me. <laughs> I see someone that is basically the supposed leader of the women's locker room outside of Brandy Road. And the problem is she doesn't have anyone underneath her that can actually fucking work her. And if you think that Nyla Rose or Riho or uh, what's her name? Awesome Kong or Jazz is retired. But, you know, I'm just telling you. I don't see how Britt Baker is going to carry that division when their company may or may not still be around. Also, can we please establish the fact that, yes, both companies, when faced off with one another, they have the distinct problem of looking over the shoulder, and that's natural. But when you constantly look over your shoulder, you're going to eventually just, well, either one, go paranoid and make a mistake and forget about the most important thing, your audience, or two, when you constantly look over your shoulder for yourself, there comes a point when fans are going to catch on. Some of us already have. I mean, I have AEW's been around. And that's, yes, we're well aware that your companies exist. And yes, you can pick up any merchandise and feel like I'm a proud fan of AEW or I'm a proud fan of WWE. I don't know if WWE has limited stuff and hot topic anymore, but the point is, it can, it's funny. There, this version of the wrestling wars is funny to me because the minute two superstars get signed and they're a big deal mm, here comes the rock here comes you know john cena here becky lynch returns and all that stuff and let's have a queen of the ring tournament like where was this without you know aew when you guys were the only company outside of the other other companies like ring of honor and mpjw where was this spunk Maybe it was a good thing that AEW lit a fire under WWE's ass, but it was a bad thing when all this talent got released because of cap space, because now who you've got, and this is going to, this brings my point, AEW looks like that desperate, desperate person that says, oh, well, you know, hey, you should uh, sign on the dotted line with us, and, uh, 
you'd be ten times happier. The locker room would be a lot looser, and you can say whatever the fuck you want, and you're going to be doing great things for us. You're going to be doing wonderful things, and audience is going to eat you up because they already know who you are, and they know that you were held down, and, like, what are you, what are you trying to say, that you're liberators for former WWE? That That also makes you look bad, too, because what happens when they fall into the same you know, funk that they were in the company they had previously worked for. I'm not saying it'll happen for everybody, but right off the bat, give guys like Malachi Black a feud with a top-tier guy like Cody Rhodes. Okay, I'm not saying he's undeserving of a top-tier feud, but maybe you could work Andrade into the fucking mix. Oh, they've already seen that. Why would they want to see that? Gee, I don't know, because you could reinvigorate some old rivalries, create new ones, and give fans a, a new look. Also, the reason why I titled the show Our Trash is because it feels like that that label has been put upon these poor guys and gals who have no inkling that they were going to be discards, and it's just like, okay, so how do you prepare yourself? to be told that, you know, you're pulled in a room and said, hey, we're trying to free space, so you're going to, you know, we're just going to release you guys. It's not the same as, you know, like baseball, football, where guys and certain people get excited before the season even starts. They're like, did you hear that Westbrook went to so-and-so's team? No, it's not, it's not the fucking same. It's just, it's very... It's almost like you were told, by the way, you work for my company uh, for this amount of years, and uh, we don't see your value, so bye. That's just what it feels like. And on on the other end, it's like, hey, you guys need a home? We'll gladly open our doors. Is that a bad thing that there's opportunity on the other end? No. (laughs) Like I said, in a roundabout, you know, fucking long-ass way through all my ramblings. Both companies are doing the best they can to jab at each other, to needle one another. And I feel like, I hate saying this, but I feel like Vince is going to weather the storm and eventually AEW will be out of business. AEW thinks that that's not going to be the case. And then on their end, they're thinking, we're going to do the best, you know, we can. And there are a few of them that say, oh, it was like working for, uh, it was like walking on eggshells working that company. I feel so bad for them. Why would you feel bad, Renee, when, you know, you used to work for them and then you got out because you're about to have your child? But to say that you're like walking on eggshells, like, okay, so it may have felt like that. And I, you know, I just want to point something out. Why is it a bad thing when they're making money? I mean, it shouldn't just be about one element. But, I mean, if you're trying to, not trying to live your dream, but if you're living your dream and doing the best you can, and then you hear from another outside source, you know, like her husband said, this is a complete polar opposite. He goes, I, it's not that I want them to fail. I want them to succeed. It, it sucks when a company is flailing, you know, 
flopping like a fish out of water. And, you know, he goes, the one problem is Vince. Yes, and yes. VKM has definitely been an issue underlying, like, the holding back the achievements or the accomplishments, you know, eventual accomplishment of certain WWE superstars. But there's one problem with that, with that, with those words. The one constant over the last 40 years, even though he has not evolved in some instances and he has evolved in others, we do realize that Vince McMahon has held the glue together despite guys like Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff coming at him now. Uh, it was one point Ted Turner, and it was at one point, you know, even Jim Cornette, you know, with Smoky Mountain Throat, which wasn't, you know, a big threat to him back in the day. So what does Vince do when he's backed up against the wall? Well, you better be careful because that's like a like an animal that's been uh, wounded and is hungry and hasn't eaten in a few days. Be careful what you wish for type thing. I don't know about Tony Khan's prowess. I don't think the man has any wrestling. His dad, his father, and him own the Jacksonville Jaguars. And when you look at Tale of the Tape, a compare and contrast type thing. Who we um, WWE has had a lot of notable names that have come out of their company. AEW's had, well, I mean they've they've gotten notable names. Not that they don't have names. It's just, well, how do I put this in a long, round, long-winded way? If I look at two companies, I'm going to pick one that shows consistency, has structure. Yes, they don't take risks that often, but when they do, they make it worthwhile. There's a build. There's a reason for it. Their matches are not all hardcore or specialty matches. And I've repeated that on multiple shows. Like, you can't have free space, you know, in your matches because you feel the need that, you know, women, okay, Britt Baker's match with Thunder Rosa, you know, on Dynamite. Cool. Whatever. I don't give two fucks about, you know, if you can have a hardcore match with females, because why? Or if you can have a hardcore match or specialty match every week, and it feels like each time that I have watched AEW on DVR, I've wanted to yank my remaining air follicles out. I want them to succeed. I want them to give their all. And if their all is booking for themselves and then putting input in, you know, through their own creative inputs, it's like, why? I went through an experience like that with my old company, KCXW, and it didn't fucking work out. Okay. So, and that's completely different. Local versus, you know, mainstream that's on TV that has a network cable television uh, network, you know, on cable television. But the same principle goes for if you book, if you book for yourself, what I will tell you is it never fucking pans out. Also, if you don't listen to outside help that's trying to tell you, hey, you shouldn't do this but you still do it anyways, I, I'm only going to imagine that it's going to end in a direction that 
not going to be favorable for AEW. Just like um, I keep mentioning the companies that that I have time. I I will not have time to mention them, but it all sums it up, folks. If they would just both focus on their own shit instead of focusing on what's around them and subtle and subtly jabbing each other, that's normal. But jabbing each other every chance you get, you know, not just their fans. Like, okay, I I want to know what purpose are you guys trying to serve, and are you serving your audience as well, respectively? That's my question to both AEW and WWE. And by the way, nobody's trash in professional wrestling unless you've done something that's really considered to be trash. So with that, I'm going to end it with if you didn't like what good old Brian Reynolds had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And Pizza, any last words, any last shout outs that you want to give the the, the audience? Three choice words for you. Forget about it. Little bitches, I got to go. Pizza, any last words? All right. For real though, I gotta get sleep for the day ahead. I had a great time in Tennessee, and I will see you guys. Hear from you next week. All right. Thank you for listening. Personality. The cult of personality The cult of personality